thrilled that you're with us this morning. If you happen to be here for the very first time as a guest, I would encourage you in the seat in front of you, beneath the seat in front of you, there is a little guest card, and we'd sure appreciate it if you would fill that out. And as the offering goes by a little later in the service, that's all we'd ask you to put in the offering. We're just glad that you're our guest here. I also want to ask you to stay. You may not be prepared for this, but uh, we're going to have a potluck immediately after the service. We're going to hear from Pablo and Bethany Calderon, who are missionaries to Romania. And so we would like you all to stay and join us. And you might say, well, I didn't come prepared for that. That's fine. There's plenty of food, and we'd just love to have you join with us. I want to also call to your attention that Awana, which is our children's ministry that starts up in the fall on August 29th, is going to get started. If you could help out in any way, uh, show up to listen, show up to help with meals, want to help teach a class, whatever, please talk to Mary Klein or to Mark Klein, or you can contact the church office and Megan can get you in touch with one of those people if you don't know who those people are. Also, a week from today, we're going to be taking up a special quarterly missions offering, and those missions offerings are very much needed. Our missionaries are building are giving on that quarterly basis into their budgets and they're counting on us so encourage you to come out next Sunday ready to give and give generously a lot of other things going on you can read it in the bulletin the only other thing I want to call to your attention is the Tuesday over at the reserve which is right next door they're having a packing of meals for the heartland so if you can come out at any one of the time slots there's a little slip in your bulletin that gives you the information they would sure appreciate you coming out and joining to help do that so that's all that I have kids are dismissed as well and uh, on that announcement about Awana I just also want to add that there's a training opportunity this week so Crossroads Church here in West Des Moines uh, Wednesday night 6 p.m. is hosting an Awana training recharge night so it's uh, even if you've been a leader for years this is a recharge night to catch a fresh vision for what Awana is and how we can make it better. And our clubs are Iowa Awana Missionary, there's just one, will be there doing the training. So uh, come out this Wednesday for that. I just also want to now bring up Pablo and Bethany Calderon, and this is just sort of a brief teaser for the lunch presentation afterwards. So is, is Bethany coming too, or? Okay, that's fine, we'll just, we'll just do with, the, uh, with Pablo here, that's fine. Pablo, um, so just a few quick questions, and I know a lot of you know you, because you've been touring with your band and visiting our church every year for many years. And then two years ago, you spent a couple months with us, you and your family, um, as you were preparing to go out to the missions field to Romania. So we feel like we've got a deep history with you. In fact, some of us have gone to Bible college with you guys. And um, so, but for those who aren't familiar, can you just uh, quick, briefly give us um, some information about your location and your main ministry activities? Yeah, so basically right now we are located in Brasov, Romania, which is right in the heart of the country. And uh, a lot of the uh, ministries that we do is either with youth at a local school, uh, music with Daniel and Georgiana Akins, who are also missionaries there, and uh, just in the community, whether it's serving uh, some guy that has his own shop uh, and just unloading his, his goods into the store or just hanging out with, with our neighbors. Uh, so we try to reach out to many people in different different ways and uh, yeah it's been an amazing time so far um, do you want to share about some of the ways you see the Lord working through your ministry let's see I see it a lot since I spent a lot of time with uh, our students I see it a lot in them 
uh, I remember starting school year last year, and we had chapel, and we had Bible classes, and at first, their uh, interests in the in, in Bible were non-existent, and towards the end of the school year, they were asking, they were just hungry to hear more stories about the Bible. How does it make sense? How does it relate to us? And so, uh, just God opening their eyes into the truth, that, that's been the, the most evident uh, experience. And, and you were telling me yesterday when we were talking that they've invited you to play Amer professional American football, and I kind of look at you and I'm thinking, I don't know, like, tell me a little bit about that. So, yeah, I guess uh, the United States has a good influence in Romania, or at least Romania sees it that way, and uh, uh, they're trying to start this American football club in our town. They have about six or seven professional teams already established, and so this guy heard, hey, you're an American. I know you're short, but uh, you may have knowledge in football. Can you please help us out? I was like, yeah, uh, I've played in, college, in high school, and, you know, I'm still short, haven't grown at all, but I guess I could help, so I'm Still praying, maybe Bethany might let me do that. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, if I get hurt, I'm pretty much hurt for the rest of my life because the medical field there is kind of iffy. Uh, but yeah, uh, just hoping that if God allows that door to continue to be open, then just use football as an opportunity to reach out to these guys. And um, just lastly, can you share maybe a couple of the main challenges and some ways we can pray for you guys? Uh, let's see, just patience. Patience is a huge one as we continue to understand the culture. Um, what else? Um, the idea that they believe they are Christians because of the religious background through the Orthodox Church, that makes it difficult for us to be able to say, hey, let's talk about Jesus. Um, that's one of the biggest obstacles that we find as we try to open up the scripture with even adults. Um, they say, well, I already grew up in the Orthodox Church. I'm a Christian. God is God. And when I say, what about Jesus? Okay, Jesus is out on the cross, but he's not important. God is God. So that's the biggest obstacle. And then Bethany, who's expecting, uh, just pray for safe delivery uh, according to God's will, especially in a hospital in Romania. So she's pretty brave. Great. Well, thank you. And uh, we look forward to hearing a, a more of a report about the ministry over lunch. And so... Thanks. Let's just pray for these guys. And uh, Lord, just thank you for Pablo and Bethany um, and Carolina, their daughter, and one on the way. Just watch over them as they go back soon to Romania. Thank you that we can partner with them. And we pray that the prayers uh, of this church and other churches like it would support them in their ministry and that you would open doors uh, of opportunity with these people through whether it's sports or at the school or business owners, or whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you would open up uh, doors of opportunity for fruitful ministry in the coming year. And just watch over Pablo and Bethany, and pray the baby would be delivered safely in Romania, uh, knowing that the medical system there is not the best. And uh, we just now uh, commit the rest of your, this service to you, the preaching of the word, to glorify the name of your son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning. If you would open your Bibles to Psalm 103, uh, I hope everyone has been enjoying and just being blessed by our series for, through the Psalms. You know, it's, it's great to, to go through the Psalms because they really give us a unique perspective, a unique outlook on, uh, on God's heart for us and, and really shine a spotlight into kind of the inner workings of our hearts. 
So I've titled this message, Note to Self, and um, see why in a minute. But, you know, CBS this morning has a recurring uh, segment that they call Note to Self. And what it is is various celebrities, musicians, uh, actors, politicians, what they do is they tell them to write a letter to their younger self. Think about that. What kind of advice would you give to yourself if you were to write a letter to your younger self? And, and just some of the things probably are fairly common. Uh, you know, one of them said, listen to mom. Another said, never underestimate the immense power of your imagination. Someone else said, it's going to be a bumpy life. So Psalm 103 uh, was not written by any current-day celebrities, but was written by uh, perhaps one of the greatest kings uh, of, of Israel, uh, a man that was called uh, by scriptures a man after God's own heart, uh, someone who had uh, his own sins and struggles, but also gives us a lot of rich insight for what it looks like to be a person who is forgiven, cleansed, and pursuing after God with a heart of honesty and humility and authenticity. So I'm going to read Psalm 103, reading from the ESV. Psalm 103 of David, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Verse 6, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. 
And what David is doing in this psalm is, in some ways, writing a letter uh, to his own heart, addressing his very soul with truth. And this is uh, not unique to the psalm. You see it in some other places. Psalm 42 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Psalm 62 says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is in him. And what's cool about the Psalms is it really gives us kind of this inner look, kind of a very intimate and uh, close look into the inner workings of the heart. And added to that even more is that these are not just words uh, written by people, that these are divinely inspired words. So this is God himself telling us, here's how you can speak to your own heart. Here's the way that you can bring truth into your inner soul. And, and really the theme of this, <clears throat> of this psalm, the reason that David is writing, he brings it right up front in the first two verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And he repeats it again. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then you see it in the very last verse of the psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So what's the message he's trying to, to bring to his own heart? To bless the Lord is to praise him. It's to repeat his excellencies, to expound on who he is. It's to praise him. And why is David doing this, right? I mean, this is something that should be natural to him, right? But he knows his own struggles. He knows that our hearts are not always clean. Sometimes it's a struggle to worship with an inner reality. Sometimes it's hard for us to remember the goodness of God. And these are our struggles too, right? We struggle to have a praise that flows easily from our heart. Sometimes our hearts can feel frozen, cold, numb to the truth of who God is. So as we, as we, as we dig into this, let's just bow our heads and pray. God, we can identify with David. Sometimes our hearts feel distant from you. Sometimes it's a struggle to praise you with all that is within us. It's easy to speak words from our lips, but have a heart that is far from you. And God, we pray that you would help us to have reality and truth in our inmost being. We ask it as we look into your word that you would encourage us, that you would recharge us, that you would see through these words of Scripture how great and mighty and powerful and wonderful you are. We confess our inadequacy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so what Psalm 103 gives us is a model for how to preach the truth to our own hearts. And if you're going to start a fire, what, how does it begin? It begins with a single match. And what David does is he begins to light this fire of praise in verse 2 with five words, forget 
not all his benefits. His first point in, in preaching to himself is he says, David, bless the Lord of personal redemption. He takes a look back at his own life and says, how has God worked in my circumstances? Charles Spurgeon said, memory is very treacherous about the best things. By a strange perversion engendered by the fall, it treasures up the refuse of the past and permits priceless treasure to lie neglected. It is tenacious of grievances and holds benefits all too loosely. It needs spurring to its duty, though that duty ought to be its delight. I don't know if this is a struggle for anyone else, but have you noticed that the way our minds work is we hold on to grievances. We hold on to frustrations. We hold on to bad experiences, right? And we sometimes can replay those over and over again in our mind. How much easier is it for us to call to mind some offense or some hurt or some struggle than it is for us to recall all the good things that have happened in our life, right? I think we have this, this mentality that everything should be good all the time, and, it, and if something goes wrong, those are the things we're going to hold on to. And so what David does in verses uh, 3 through 5 is he unpacks these personal blessings. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I'm not going to go into depth on each of these things, but I want to point out a couple things. David's list starts with forgiveness. And really, forgiveness is the fountainhead of all the rest of the blessings in our life, right? You know, if you have come to know God and your sins have been forgiven, every other blessing flows out of that. There's no other good thing that we have that we have apart from the forgiveness of God. Because if a man or a woman is still in their sins, then they could be clothed, they could be fed, what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world but lose his soul? And so the first benefit that David reflects on is his own forgiveness. And David was, was a person who knew what forgiveness looked like, right? You, you reflect back on his life and some of the tragic mistakes that he made um, as a man, as a husband, as a leader. He knew those, those failures very well, right? And yet he could say that God has forgiven all his iniquity. How awesome is that to be forgiven, to have your sins wiped out? Have you ever done something against someone and it was just eaten away at you? And then you had a chance to apologize and hear those words, I forgive you. How freeing is that? How amazing is that? And so if our hearts are struggling to worship God, I think the place we need to start is, man, 
God has forgiven me. God has cleansed my sins. I can be cleansed and just right in his presence. I can have fellowship with him. I can talk to him. He mentions healing, and I, I don't believe that he is saying that God always heals every disease. But every time we're healed, God is the source of that. He mentions redemption, and a couple weeks ago, um, or actually it was last week, Steve spoke from Psalm 57, and the setting for that psalm was David riding from a pit and when he was hiding out from Saul. So when David says that he praises the God who has redeemed his life from the pit, you know, there was a concrete, real time in his life where he really was in a pit, where he was really needing that redemption and that help. David says, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. And, and for the king of, the king of Israel uh, to reflect on a crown, what is the crown that he thanks God for? Not the crown of power or authority or dominion. He says, God is the one who crowns him with steadfast love and mercy. And this is not David's love or David's mercy. This is being crowned with the mercy of God, being crowned with the love of God. You know what? Uh, when you become an adult, you don't get a lot of awards, right? Uh, if, if you happen to hold down a job for a little while, then you get a little plaque after five years and maybe another one after 10 and then, you know, I've been at a place long enough where I got a 15-year plaque, and it's like, wow. Um, Whoop-de-doo, right? But how amazing is it that God crowns us with benefits that come from Him, right? He brings us, you know, I think this symbolizes just Him bringing us into His family, bringing us into His inheritance through His love and His mercy. And then the fifth thing, it says, he satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And there's nothing magical about eagles, but I think they're kind of a symbol of vigor and strength. And this idea that um, I think it was also reflected by Paul when he says, you know, outwardly our bodies are decaying, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And this idea that one of the blessings that God brings is just an inward renewal and a peace in our, in our souls. And so I guess just a question is, do you ever talk to yourself like this, right? It sounds kind of weird to, to think about, but you know, when you, when you stop to think about it, we're all saying things to ourselves, right? We're speaking words or expressing worries or, um, telling ourselves things constantly, but maybe we're not always aware of it. But do we take the opportunity to preach truth to our souls? And if we've got a heart that has become cold towards God, this is where we start. We start by preaching truth to our hearts, reminding ourselves of the things that God has done in our own life, right? I think if we all just paused and just thought about it for a moment, we could name off amazing things that God has done in our own life. And that's just like putting, you know, adding fuel to this fire of praise that's building up. 
So what would your list look like, right? Um, could you point to forgiveness? Could you point to times where God has done healing in your life, has answered prayers, has redeemed you, has crowned you with his love and his mercy? Times that God has satisfied you <clears throat> with good things, right? And what are the good things in our life? They're, they're almost too many to count, right? Especially for those of us that live in this, in this nation, we're maybe just unaware of how much we have that is just good things that we take for granted, right? Um, but when we reflect on the beauty in this world or the good memories we have, I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said those things are like the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never visited, right? These are just little tastes of what God's country is like. But he gives us those glimpses. He gives us the opportunity to see his work in this world. So he blessed the Lord of, of personal redemption. He also tells his soul to bless the Lord of patient love. Verses 6 through 12. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. He's a God of patient love. Look at verses 7 and 8. This is really cool. It says, He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. What he's reflecting on is the fact that God has revealed himself. He hasn't just revealed himself in personal ways that only I can know. He's revealed himself in history. He's revealed himself to a people, to a nation. You can look back at historical events and say that was the hand of God. That was his revelation. And what kind of a God does he reveal himself to be? Verse, verse 8 is, is awesome. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And actually, that is not David writing that. That is David quoting from Exodus 34. Just turn there for a minute because this is really cool to see. David is quoting from Exodus 34. And in, and in the chapter before, Moses had a prayer. He said to God in, in Exodus 33, 18, Moses said, please show me your glory. And what an audacious thing to pray to God. Show me your glory. And what does God do? He answers that prayer. And in, verse, in chapter 34, verse 5, it says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger 
and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's Exodus 34, 6. And so, as David reflects on who God is and says, let all that is within me worship his holy name, he remembers the time that God appeared to a man and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And, and, and how, how amazing it is that this is the way God has chosen to express himself. Just let this hit you again. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. How do we picture God, right? When we think of who he is, when we think about his name, what images come to our mind? I think many people have an image of an angry God. Many people have an image of an impatient God. Um, many people have an image of a distant God. And yet when God himself appeared to Moses, he said he was merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And so David just takes those truths and he meditates on them and he expands on them. And this is what he does in verses 9 to 12. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. You know, when we get angry with someone, we kind of tend to hold on to it, right? We don't want to let go of it because sometimes it, it feels good to be angry. God's not like that. He will not stay angry forever. Verse 10, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. It means that when he does discipline us or chastise us, that it's not in correlation to our sins, right? Our sins are much greater than how God deals with us. And then he, he makes these statements in verse 11 and 12 where he, he points to two infinite distances, right? He says, as high as the heavens are above the earth. Can you measure that? Can you measure how far it is to the farthest star? No. He says that's how high, that's how great God's love is, his steadfast love toward those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, you can't measure that distance. The east and the west continue on for infinity apart from each other. That's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. And these concepts can become so abstract that our minds kind of get numb to the truth that's being relayed. But he's just saying, you cannot comprehend God's love for you. As you speak to your soul, that's the truth you need to say. Soul, God's love for you is higher than the heavens are above the earth. His forgiveness is farther than the east is from the west. But in case we struggle with such lofty concepts, he says, Bless the Lord of paternal compassion. Verses 13 to 18. 
As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. You know, how jarring is it uh, to think that this God of immense power shows compassion to us like a father with a child? Um, we've all experienced that or known what it's like to be a child and not everyone in this room had a perfect father, but if you didn't, you also know what kind of father you wished you had, right? And that's the father that God is. Immense and immeasurable power combined with tender, intimate compassion. And David draws out two implications from that. The first one, he says, in verse 14, he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. You know, there's idiosyncrasies and things about your children that only a parent knows, right? Uh, Ethan is about 20 months old right now, give or take, and he has this kind of, you know, rudimentary grasp of language, but he can come and tell us something and, you know, we know what he's saying because we've been with him every day, right? He makes a little grunt, points at the fridge, and I know that he wants some milk. Although lately, he has learned to say deuce before juice. Um, but as your kids grow, um, this intimacy continues to, to develop, right? And not only do you understand, you know, those little things about them, but you also kind of understand what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. Um, in, in, in a way, though, that is always trying to build, up, build those up, right? You understand your, your, your children's weaknesses, but you want to help them overcome it. And so for David to say he knows our frame, um, not only is he saying, you know, just like a parent knows their kids' weaknesses, um, our Heavenly Father knows our weaknesses. But even beyond that, God actually designed us, right? He created us. So how much more does He know the details of who we are, the quirks of our personalities, uh, the struggles inherent to our family upbringing, and just the struggles we face on a day-to-day -day basis? And so if our souls are struggling to worship God, Man, let's remember that he's a God of, of fatherly compassion. And the other, the other piece that I think implication or just practical takeaway is that it says his love is from everlasting to everlasting. That's in verse 17. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And that comes right after this kind of couple verses that are kind of depressing, right? Verses 15 and 16. As for man, his days are like grass. Have you guys been back in your yards lately? Um, 
unless you have poured just tons of water on your, on your yard this month, you know exactly what David means, right? Grass that looked great in May is now dry and brown. And our lives are like that in the scope of eternity, right? They're so short. They come and then they're gone. They're like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field and then the wind passes over it and is gone and its place knows it no more. Now, I've done this exercise before, but I always think it's amazing to think about. Um, I'm sure probably all of you can name your four grandparents' names, right? Is there anyone here who can name all eight of their great-grandparents' names? Just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do it. Think about it for a second. Could you name all eight of your great-grandparents' They're just their names. You don't have to tell me anything about them, just their names, right? I don't see any hands going up yet. Now, I'm sure there's some that could probably do it if they, if they wrote it down for a little bit. But how stark is that to realize, right? That unless, you know, there are a select number of individuals who rise into positions of prominence in, in government or make some great discovery, and their names are recorded um, in a book somewhere. But for most of us, our lives pass away, and its place knows it no more. The only thing left is, is a memory for a few years with some family members, and then even that, within a couple generations, is gone. But that depressing thought is blown up by the fact that the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting, right? God has known you from eternity past, and he will know you for eternity future, right? To those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments, that in the midst of a life that is short, God offers to us a lasting love. He brings us into his family. And this is not a family that is constrained by the bounds of 70 or 80 or 100 years. This is a family that will endure for eternity. And if that doesn't just, you know, help our hearts to rejoice and praise and thank him, um, man, we just need to reflect on that truth that God is a God of fatherly compassion. And the final thing, David says, bless the Lord of permanent reign. He goes straight from this everlasting to everlasting concept. And he says in verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his righteousness rules over all over all. Now remember what he said at the very beginning of the psalm. In verse 103, he starts with kind of small expectations, right? His hope in Psalm 103 is that all that is within me will bless his holy name. And as he goes through these thoughts and these truths about who God is, as he thinks about God's patient love and his paternal compassion, and he gets to this truth that, you know what? God's reign is so much bigger than 
just within me. The Lord has established his throne in the heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Everything. There is nothing we see that is not under God's hand, that is not part of his amazing and lasting kingdom. And he just expounds on that in verses 20 to the end. He says, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. And I think he's talking about angels in both of those statements, but maybe this idea of hosts is, you know, not individual angels, but armies innumerable hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord all. Again, see this, this, this word all that just keeps ringing. All his hosts, all his works in all places of his dominion. It's like this desire wells up in David for everything to give God honor, for everything to give him praise. For every person, for every created thing, for the rocks and the trees and everything that exists to bless the Lord. And then he ends where he began. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You know, as I just reflected on this psalm this week, I I thought about how much I struggle to, to do this. How much do I struggle to preach truth to my own heart, to remind myself of what I know is right, right? I, I, I have the, the knowledge in my head, and yet God's calls for us to love him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength, right? God wants a total worship. He wants everything that we are. He doesn't want just our minds. He doesn't want us to be content with just praise that comes from our lips, He wants us to experience a consuming desire from deep inside ourselves to praise him with everything that we have. And so that would be something I would just say to take with you this week, to say, God, help me to preach the truth to my own heart, right? Hebrews 11 says that he is the one who rewards those who diligently seek him. And we so many times settle for a passive faith, right? That the Bible calls us to an active pursuit, right? To use our minds, to use the truth of God's word, to use all these things to fuel our hearts and to fill us up with praise. I'm going to finish on, on, on one verse that to me was... just kind of spoke to me in in light of recent events, and that's verse 4 when it says, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. I was thinking about how this summer for for 18 days, 12 boys and their their coach were trapped in this this cave, right, in Thai. And people were waiting for updates, right, day by day, even hour by hour towards the end. And I think it it resonated with people because you could picture yourself, right, trapped in this cave of complete darkness with water in between you and, and the 
exit. And early on in the process, you know, they thought, well, maybe they're going to have to stay here for five months until the water goes down. You know, it, it looked really bleak. It looked like there's no way we're going to get these guys out of here. And so so we're, everyone was just kind of waiting in the suspense to see whether these boys would be rescued. And it turned into this really elaborate operation, and there were many rescuers going, going in and out. But one of those guys did not come out right. Um, his name was Saman Kunin. He was a Thai seal. And as he was returning from a mission, he, he had taken some um, air tanks to, to leave with the boys, and he was coming back. He himself ran out of oxygen, right? And um, I was thinking about how, in a, in a little way, that's a picture of our redemption, right? That our situation was just as bleak. But Jesus entered into the pit to pull us out, to redeem us. He breathed his last so that we could have life. And the King of Kings laid down his life so that we could be crowned with steadfast love and mercy. And now we can be a part of an eternal family, of a kingdom that will never have an end. And with a Father King who knows us intimately and shows us infinite love. Let's thank him. Father, we confess our, our hearts can be cold. Our hearts can be numb to your greatness. We thank you for the truth of your word. We pray that it would ignite in us on a daily basis to praise you with our whole being, heart, soul, mind, and strength, to reflect on what you did for us, that you sent your son he gave his life. He paid the price. Father, as we remember you now with the bread and the cup, um, Lord, we confess that, that we forget. We confess that we struggle to remember all your benefits. So we pray that as we take this bread and take this cup, we would remember your redemption and your forgiveness and your love for us that we would bless you with all that's in within us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
shelter the father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of jesus christ lord when we think about what you've done and how great you are we are indeed overwhelmed you're you're greater than we can express and we just want want to, uh, to worship you and, and live our lives for you. We pray that you'll bless our offering now. Um, use these, these gifts to further your kingdom. Thank you for the chance to worship you in, in different ways this morning. And um, we just pray that you will um, lead us and go with us as we go our separate ways this week. In Jesus' name we pray.